Blog Talk Radio. Get ready for old time rock and roll. Good evening, and welcome to another edition of Old Time Rock and Roll. I'm your host, Lee Douglas, and in just a few short minutes, we will be joined on the phone by rock and roll and rockabilly legend, Eulen Duvall, the greatest singer you never heard. <laughs> That's the way I call him. Anyway, uh, tonight is all about rockabilly and the history that comes of it, and I guess you want to think about a great singer of rockabilly you have to go with one person elvis presley here he is with his most rockabilly-ish song here is elvis with an early 1956 50 well 55 56 version of i don't care if the sun don't shine I get my loving in the evening time when I'm with my baby. Well, it ain't no fun when the sun's around. I get going when the sun goes down tonight. With my baby. Well, that's when we're gonna kiss and kiss and kiss and kiss and we're gonna kiss some more. But who cares how many times we kiss? Cause at a time like this, who keeps score? Well, I don't care if the sun don't shine. I get my loving in the evening time. When I need my baby We're gonna kiss some more Who cares how many times we kiss Cause it's a time like this Who keeps going? Well, I don't care if the sun don't shine I keep my loving in the evening time When I need my baby And it don't matter if the sleet is snow I drive in cozy when the lights are low And I'm with my baby Makes no difference if the rain comes down I don't notice when the shoes around, oh boy what a baby. Well, that's when we're going to kiss and the kiss and the kiss and the kiss and we're going to kiss some more. Well, the one kiss from my baby down makes me hot. More, 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 more. Well, I don't care if the sun don't shine. I get my loving in the evening time when I meet my baby. Kiss and kiss and kiss and kiss and we're gonna kiss some more. Well, one kiss from my baby, darling, makes me hot. More, 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 more. Well, I don't care if the sun don't shine. I get my loving in the evening time when I'm 
Well, about that time, 1956, a young boy from a little West Texas town uh, started learning how to play the guitar. We're going to talk with him right now. Here is, ladies and gentlemen, Eulen Duval. Lee Duggan. Yeah, Eulen Duval, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Glad to be on. Well, listen, this is a pleasure. This has been a long time. I, I know in the first interview we had, uh, I, or the first contact we had, I apologized to you for not knowing who you were. <laughs> well, that there was no need to do that. Uh, a lot of people don't know that I was involved in music uh, quite a bit. Uh, sometimes when you don't get that big million-seller record, you're, you know, even uh, some of your local friends don't realize it. So uh, that is true. That is. True. I'm glad uh, though to uh, have an opportunity to speak with you. Well, Eulen, what I'd like to do first is is get a background because uh, you know there's so much here that that uh, we should know about you, uh, and I I just like you to I know you came in to the record business I think in 1957. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, yeah. uh, so tell me, first of all, give me a little bit of your background, how you got into playing uh, instruments and uh, what, what your, your heroes were and what your goals were when you started out. Okay, uh, I actually got uh, my first guitar at about age 13 or 14. Uh, my dad knew a few chords, and uh, I just became interested in guitar sounds and singing and uh, at a very young age for some reason and uh, any kind of a guitar that had a riff to it with an electric guitar and then acoustic I just like the sound of an acoustic guitar so that that's what started me and then in 1956 in high school my junior year in high school uh I you know, became more and more interested, and uh, we formed a little band, and it was right at the end of 56, going into 57, with a few guys that were actually out of school, going to college, that were a couple years older than I was, and we started doing uh, popular songs that were popular that we were hearing, you know, songs by Buddy Knox and Buddy Holly and Elvis and Carl Perkins, mm -hmm. and so... Uh, it just—I was just in a, you know, a little town in rural Texas, and uh, it was just something that interested me. And that's—that's uh, that's really the background of. Uh, had great support from my parents. I never was told don't do this, don't do that, as far as music is concerned. So that's how—that's how—that's the background of, of which is not much, but that's how I got started because the radio didn't didn't give us much. A little AM radio, you just. You didn't hear a lot. My brother, four years older, picked up uh, a radio out of Mexico that had uh, like 500,000 watts or 100,000 watts. So I was exposed to uh, to some of the uh, older, uh, I don't know if you call it blues or he called it bop, bop music, you know. Uh, Annie Had a Baby and Work With Me, Henry and uh, Smiley Lewis and that kind of thing. So I was exposed to that, actually, before I was exposed to uh, anything else except country music. Did you ever get to meet Buddy Knox? 
I'm sorry. I didn't understand. Did you ever get to meet Buddy Knox? Buddy Knox, uh, I met him, uh, not, not in the day. I met him once in Europe. And, uh, but I did not get to, to meet him, uh, you know, when he was, he was just a favorite of mine. And we were fairly close together, you know, a few hours apart, but, uh, I, uh, but I never did run into him, uh, ran into Roy Orbison, uh, back in the early days when he had just recorded Ooby Dooby. Hey, baby, jump over here when you do the Ooby Dooby. I wanna be I was actually going uh, somewhere going to a basketball game. We were playing basketball. I loved that sport in high school and uh, ran to him and some guys in a little cafe out in a little town west of us. So we had a little chat and talk, and which, you know, didn't mean much then, but wish I'd have done a little more, <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. You know, he was a... He was also a really, uh, you know, I'm a, a big fan of his. Well, darn, aren't we all? And uh, so, yeah. so now let's let's uh, skip. How did you get from a little town in rural Texas to California, working with um, Dave Burgess? Okay, uh, we played uh, a lot of shows, sock uh, hop, high schools. Anywhere we could play in 57 when we formed that band. And during that period of time, 
sometime in the summer of 57, uh, I was introduced to uh, a guy that was involved in music as a writer and a singer. He had done a couple things with Dot Records. His name was Danny Wolf, and he lived in the in uh, a town 10 miles away from where I lived called Stephenville, Texas. So he he wanted me to come by and, and visit, and we did, and we got along really good, and he liked uh, my vocals, and he had a lot of stuff he wanted to put down as demos to send to other people as well as maybe use for myself. He then got me a contract with Challenge Records, which was a new uh, record company owned by the old cowboy Gene Autry, and uh, Dave Burgess was one of the guys working for him, as well as he had, of course, other people, but uh, Dave was a few years older than I was, and uh, so uh, one thing led to another, a, a recording session out in at Owen Bradley in Nashville, and then uh, followed that one up by, that was in fall of 57, and then we followed that one up with a January recording session in Hollywood out in California, and that's where I met Dave. Well, you know, it took all this time and you to, to uh, tell me all this stuff before I realized where they got the name The Champs from. <laughs> as soon as you mentioned Gene Autry, I said, I know where they got the name of that group from. <laughs> that is correct. Yeah. And, now, uh, how, did, how did you end up, how did you end up doing the vocal on Tequila? Well, well, I was there to do a recording session at Gold Star. They thought maybe uh, where Eddie Cochran had cut some stuff, and they thought maybe the sound would be good for me. And while I was there, uh, Dave wanted to do, he had an instrumental called Train to Nowhere that uh, he had been wanting to record. So they asked me to play lead guitar on it, and I explained that I was not a session lead guitarist, but uh, we were, I was actually staying with Dave, and uh, we were hanging out together. Uh, uh, so well, I went to a recording session, and if you if you play that song, there's some oohs and ahs and wah-wahs in that, and I'm one of the oohs and ahs and wah-wahs and trained to nowhere. So when they got through, we got through, they said, because uh, they went out and picked up a guitar player just from somewhere, and... Uh, just a couple of studio musicians is all they had. And when they got through, they said, uh, you know, we got to have another song to go on the other side of 45. So the guy that blew the sax in tequila, uh, I think he had this, this tequila song. And uh, so he started in on it. And, uh, and if my memory is correct, uh, that they, they – they spent a lot of time on trying to know where and very little time on tequila. And we were sitting around in the studio, and everybody was, you know, when the, when they cut it once, it just kind of died at the end. You know what I mean? Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Well, somebody mentioned, uh, uh, might have been me, I don't know, you know, that well, maybe we could do something to kind of give it a good ending. And then somebody came up with, well, let's just all yell tequila you together. So uh, they cut it again, and, and I don't think they cut the song more than two or three times. And uh, when we got down at the end of it, everybody just yelled tequila. And they went on there, well, you know, I mean, uh, that was nothing was thought about it, you know. And 
I went back to Texas thinking that we were going to do two months in Vegas. David set up a two-month gig in Las Vegas, and uh, and uh, then about two months after that, about March of '58, uh, uh, disc jockey in, up in Cleveland turned trained to nowhere over and played tequila, and then the rest is history. They had to throw a band together really quickly, and uh, because it was a true million-selling 45, a lot of them weren't that they said they were, but this was. This turned into quickly a million-selling uh, 45 uh, record. Well, I'll so, tell you the truth. I have been looking for a copy of Train to Nowhere. I have tequila, which is not hard to get, but to get that other side it has been very, very difficult. Well, if you, if you a can, good song. If you can get, which you probably can't, if you could get a 45 of uh, tequila, I mean, a, a train to nowhere, it's on the other side. You right, know. right. Well, I can't. Oh, oh but you, you're saying you got CDs or something that's got tequila on right. it, but you don't have, I mean, that's uh, right. yeah, train to nowhere. See, that's, that's the whole thing that, that's killed, I believe, killed uh, AM, you know, the oldies radio is the fact that, uh, they they all bought the same records. They bought the the top 500 records or the or the top of the Billboard charts for the 50s and 60s, right. and they played them over and over again. And there was never any variation. I think that's what killed all these radio. People got sick and tired of hearing the same songs over and over again. Yeah, you. Uh, they, uh, I mean, Lee, you may be right because uh, it it was just very difficult uh, living where I was. Uh, 
to to know that some of these uh, bigger names, and especially the smaller names, I mean, you've got to hear none of their stuff. And right. I, I thought Gene Vincent just recorded about three songs. I didn't know the difference. I mean, you know, that's all we got to hear. Tell you, I uh, I had the same. I was living in New York City, and I had the same problem. It, it wasn't any different anywhere else. And I had uh, Alan Freed here in town, and uh, it, when I was living in New York, and uh, Alan, of course, gave everybody a chance, but right. uh, they just you just could not get. I mean, I would say to myself sometimes, well, where did these people go? Why didn't they record anymore? And now that the CDs are coming out, and I am getting and I'm buying all of these CDs. I find out that uh, Gene Vincent recorded 17 albums, and right. and Eddie Cochran did did uh, they released songs for the next three years after he died, and it's unbelievable. We didn't know any about anything about these things. No, and and I really didn't either. And when I I've been traveling Europe for several years now, and uh, like the bands I play with and that kind of thing. They they ask me all these questions. I'm supposed to know all that because I'm from the U.S. <laughs> and I yeah. think you guys know so much more than I do about the music of the 50s. That it, I mean, you, you're asking the wrong person. I will share with you all the knowledge that I have, but, I mean, I don't even know these songs that you guys are playing, you know. Uh, but that is almost like... Uh, how do I say it? Starting over again, when you get to hear some of these 
recordings that were made during the same time that I was recording. Right. And some of it is really good stuff. And it, not necessarily by, you know, the, the top artists. I mean, people you've never heard of. You know, like myself, for example, as you were saying, and uh, it's uh, but it's it's always. Uh, let me just say this in answer to how you opened the opened the interview. Uh, I, I've learned you never get too old for a compliment, so so I appreciate I appreciate what you said. So, uh, but anyway, that led. Uh, they of course canceled the Vegas thing because, uh, and then I'm back in, I'm back at Owen Bradley in Nashville cutting Three Months to Kill and Little Boy Blue. You should have seen us run when we heard the last school bell ring. Yeah, walking out the door, we were waving goodbye. With all her charm, and now he's got 
That, by the way, was the champs with too much tequila. Go ahead. Anyway, go ahead with your questions. That's just kind of the way that led up to uh, to me knowing those guys and everything. Now, now uh, let's get to your to your songs. Now, I want to tell you that when I got in touch with you, I found every record I could. I know you sent me a couple of CDs, which I played every song, and I loved Little Boy Blue. And on the new record, the new CD, which is called Get Carried Away, which, by the way, if you will 
look on the show, on the show page when we send this up tonight. There is a you, there's a picture of the front cover on there, and it, if somebody clicks on it, they go right to uh, Amazon.com and they can order a copy. And cool. I was, I, so that's uh, going to happen. We're going to play one uh, for the fans a little bit later from this new album. And also, I do want to tell you because I listened to everything I could find on you. And do you know what my favorite song you did was? Everybody has a different. Everyone a lot of shaking going on. Yeah, the old, the, just the dub, just the uh, the little demo thing I did with with just a couple of instruments, right? That's the one you're yeah. talking about. Oh, no piano, playing. no piano, right? I think there was piano on that one, but it I was, was a great recording. Yeah, uh, the only one I can remember that was recorded did not have a piano. And a guy told me one time, he said. I really like this, and he said it's the it's the only version of a whole lot of shaking without a piano that I've ever heard. But I really like it, and uh, <laughs> so that's kind of it was good. It so was strange uh, as I uh, as I did interviews for some some movie people and things like that, and they asked me to sing. And it's strange I would just take out my old J50 Gibson and strum that thing, and most of the time. I would strum a little bit of whole lot of shaking. And roll. Um, of, you know, how does it feel? And I, yeah, this is a terrible question to ask somebody. To you know, because I have asked this to other people. Uh, here you are, you've got some some uh, hits, but you couldn't get a nationwide hit. Why do you think that was? 
Was it well, the thing with, with disc jockeys and uh, and the, your, your, the people who were promoting the records, or what? Well, uh, let me give you an honest answer, okay? And let me preface that by saying that I've heard many of the, the old-timers complain and about their lives and the way they were screwed around and all that kind of thing. First of all, I don't feel that way at all, okay? But I do have my feelings uh, about why some of these songs that were, uh, I mean, we can say, well, you didn't have the vocals or whatever, but that's not what you're asking. You were, the, the thing about it, Gene Autry had more money than anybody. So it wasn't it wasn't a money thing. Most of the problems, even if you go back and dig through the Sun Record stuff, one of his problems was he didn't have any money. Right. Sam Phillips. I mean, yeah. I'm talking about real money. I, I'm not talking about, uh, you know, he didn't have any money to start with. So, but challenge. Gene Autry was a very very wealthy man when I met him. So. So we have to push that part aside because money was not the object. Therefore, the only thing I can really figure is, well, two things. One, and I don't understand it, I was never put in front of a crowd, and please don't take this wrong, and I hope the fans don't take this wrong. I was never put on stage in front of a crowd that I didn't go over well. Never. Never. So I never boot off stage, never, you know, people get up, walk out, leave, and all that kind of thing. So I had something going for me on stage, whether it be the way I looked. uh, We didn't have, you know, a whole lot of showmanship back then. uh, But, uh, I, you know, uh, never quite understood why I didn't get more, why why they didn't put me on some of those one-nighters with some of those guys and – it's like they're waiting for one of these records. They were convinced that some of those records were going to be hit records. But right. like many other labels, once Tequila, they had never had a hit record because it was new. Once Tequila took off, they just dropped everything and went with it, as mm-hmm. did many of the other record labels. But I'm not sure why smart people wouldn't look at that a different way. For example... Why not tag along a couple of other artists on the tails of tequila? Now right. you've got something going for you. Now, now they're not only hearing tequila, but the people that are playing it, they're going to play something else if you send it out there to the same people and say, you know, or, or uh, drag me along with the champs on a show. If they needed all the help they could get. I mean, they truly needed help. And uh, so... It just boils down to lack of promotion, in my opinion, if you discount the fact that if you say, well, you think the vocals are good enough. And the reason I say that is if you go to Europe and get involved in that style of music, they will tell you that Three Months to Kill, which was not pushed over here, the other side, Little Boy Blue, was that Three Months to Kill is a top ten rock and roll song in Europe, period. Uh, just throw it in with anything. And that's what I've been told so many times that I'm almost beginning to believe it. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, so they took a different look on it. Uh, number one, they didn't care how many records I sold. You know, that that was not 
That's not why they liked my music over there. It wasn't because it it did or didn't sell a lot of records. You know, I had seven forty fives released in uh, between fifty seven and fifty nine, and I can't give you an answer other than that. And and I just want you to understand that it's not a bitter, bitter answer if you know what I mean. Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying. I, I'm not I'm not complaining. I've had one of the greatest lives anyone could ever have. Well, and now I'm I'm go ahead. I don't know how you uh, have, I know you um, ran into Charlie Gracie last year when you were at that uh, show. Right, and, uh, right. Well, and we Green also Bay. did, we did a, we did a couple of shows in England together. Yeah. You guys, I mean, see, when I, when I did a, uh, an interview with him last year, uh, you guys have, you know, such great careers and your music is so revered in, in the, the UK and, uh, in, Sweden and Norway. I don't understand it because, you know, I mean, I watched uh, uh, Charlie, you know, back in 1957 when he appeared at the Paramount Theater, and uh, the guy, you know, of course, he didn't have a chance to do anything but Butterfly, and but uh, right. yet in, in England, they couldn't get enough of, of Charlie Gracie. <laughs> But I don't know if she loves me Well now I know that she loves me But she won't say yes to me Well now I love my baby I got the boogie boogie blue Well a boogie this morning A boogie last night I woke up this morning and I didn't feel right I got the boogie boogie blue Boogie boogie blue Oh Lord Got the boogie boogie blue Well a boogie boogie blue because my baby just don't give me right. Well, I went to my baby, said you love me, honey. She said you got the kind. She got the honey, boogie boogie blues, boogie boogie blues. Oh Lord, I got the boogie boogie blues. Well, I boogie boogie blues because my baby just don't give me right. Gracie and uh, his most rockabilly song called Boogie Woogie Blues. Now I want to play another one of Hewlin's best, and this one is entitled Boom Boom Baby. Mm-hmm. 
uh, I told you we sent demos around and things that, that Danny Wolf wrote a chillion songs, and uh, I wrote some things, and and uh, we sent something up to Lou Chud up at Imperial, and uh, Imperial was an established label even at that time. That's Domino and, you know, and... Ricky Nelson. Rick Nelson, and I, I can't name all of them, but, you know, they were an established, uh, considered to be a... So when this demo gets up there, now I don't find this out till years later, okay? When this demo gets up there to him, he calls my manager and says, I don't care about your song. Send me the guy singing it. Well, he went to challenge, and they said, no way. Are we letting him out of his contract? Hmm. Now, they aren't doing anything. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, and uh, so... Maybe you're trading me, you know. <laughs> he, he, he didn't even... He wouldn't, you know, for whatever reason, he wouldn't even tell me. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe, you know, maybe he felt the same way as he had a percentage, too, and uh, they each had 10%. Uh, at least it wasn't 100%, like Lefty Frizzell. At one time, they owned 110% of him, so he went to, when he went to play, he had to pay them 10%. But wow. uh, that's a true statement. He didn't really pay the 10%. But they, he had signed so many contracts that, he owed 110%. They stopped that later. You could you could not. That was illegal. But uh, that would have been a break, I think. Mm -hmm. I, th I think that could have been a break because when I signed the movie contract with Republic Pictures, uh, they took, oh, I don't know, they probably took 500 photographs with me on stage and all this kind of thing. And it was kind of a subset thing, and they had some wealthy people involved. But they never put a picture out with this group that they were going to do it. So I didn't get an opportunity there. Had it, had they went on with this thing, then I would have had an opportunity to have been on a couple of the the, the movies with the you know the rock and roll stuff and that kind of thing. So I don't have a good answer for you, Lee. I just uh, uh, Little Boy Blue. It's kind of strange. That song made the top ten in Los Angeles, California in 58, and yet it billboard charted in 59. They actually decided, well, maybe we should push this a little bit. So it, it, it made the billboard top 100 in 59, but it was popular in 58 because Eddie Cochran came and did a show in Fort Worth. It was just he and I, it was a huge show, thousands of people. And uh, when I went into the dressing room that that night, uh, we'd never met or seen one other or anything. I'd seen a picture of him. And I walked in the dressing room, and, and I heard from the back of the dressing room, Little Boy Blue. And I turned around, it was Eddie Cochran. I'm just a sitting in the back, just a watching the moon. Or maybe it's a symphony. About the same, who's assembled in the chair? Sitting in the back on the very last row. I'll hold your hand and kiss you too. But we're not sitting in the back. Just sitting in 
I wouldn't trade my life for anybody. Right, so, right. Uh, but I was just telling you that a few of those things went on, and then I sure I did shows with uh, I did a couple shows with him actually, and I did we did a big blowout down in New Orleans uh, in '58. Jimmy Clanton brought his band with all the horns and everything. Bobby Darren was there, and Dale Hawkins, and I, I can't remember everybody. And uh, I went over great. I just had Little Boy Blue out, and then, you know, uh, it was a, a fabulous night. I mean, couldn't have asked for anything any better. I mean, right. you know, fans were, uh, in the at the end of the show, it's me and Bobby signing the autograph. That was it. Right. We signed autographs for two hours after the show. There was... Wow. I think, I don't know how many was in that auditorium, but it was one of their biggest auditoriums down there. So, And that's not bragging again. That's just wherever I went, I was well received. I just didn't get to go a lot of places. Yeah. Now, i got to ask you a question. And this, okay. This is, this is kind of a, a closure to, to our, our interview. And before I talk about your new um, CD, um, I have a, uh, my own definition of rockabilly. Okay. And it has to do with the cult status that rockability has today. Okay. And it and my and it's basically simple. Just give me your response and then tell me how you know the, about this fabulous cult status that that, that uh, rockability has. Anyway, I call rockability rock and roll that never grew up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess that's. Sorry, I'm laughing, but it's sort of funny. Uh, I guess well, that's a pretty good. I, I guess that's a pretty good definition because I truly don't consider myself. Uh, once I started recording, I really did not consider myself a true rockabilly because I never heard the term. Right. Never heard the term in Texas. Now, when I was when I was working with the upright bass, lead guitar, rhythm guitar only. That, in 57, that would have been what I would have called rockabilly. Right. But we stepped in, and when I went to the studio in 57, we, not immediately, but uh, we almost immediately, you know, well, we did. Immediately picked up a piano. Right. Immediately. Drums, uh, lead guitar, and in the second session, you know, Two guitars, uh, a xylophone, which you you can't hear, but uh, uh, you know the full chorus. And uh, well, I thought we were playing some pretty good rock and roll on things like uh, you know Three Months to Kill, and uh, I don't know uh, those things we were trying to cut, uh, Pucker Paint, and some of that stuff. I, I thought that was. Uh, uh, fairly good uh, rock and roll, but uh, I, d- I never had heard the term rockabilly until way, way later on in my life. Mm-hmm. Now, the cult grabbed a hold of it, and thank goodness, because I think that's one reason we still have it. The fact that that, that it's, it's called rockabilly, and uh, now the band that I play with won't play anything that was cut after December 31, 1959. Mm-hmm. But, they can. They call it. This is what they call it. Late fifties rock and roll is what they call the stuff that where it's got a sax with it, maybe, and uh, right. you know, and uh, maybe uh, that kind of thing. But uh, I think you're right about the never growing up part. Uh, 
but true rockabilly uh, never did grow up. You're right. But uh, I just always called it rockabilly. I'll right. give you an example, you look okay. here's here's a guy, I, I would assume you're what, sixty nine, seventy, somewhere around? I'm fixing to turn sixty nine. Okay, sixty nine. And here's a sixteen year old guy singing on he's singing <laughs> Cradle Baby. Well <laughs> great song. No, no, it's a, it, it yeah, is, no. I think it's the best song on the album. But it's it's interesting. It's funny when you think about it. Well, I'm doing that because that's the style of that's what exactly. the uh the 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 small record companies over there, that's what they can distribute. Right. Now, uh, I just got back from running with a bunch of outlaws up in Detroit uh, last week. And, yes, uh, I heard the show. I heard about the show, yeah. Uh, the thing about it was, was uh, I, got, I really enjoyed it for for another reason, and, I, and I'm not trying to be – I was able to – at the end, to free myself up a little bit and do some things that I've been doing all my life, mm-hmm. and uh, with a little bit different, uh, just some, you know, some blues. The band's uh, country, rock, blues, rockabilly, all right. all tied up into one, and even brought a pedal steel in and that kind of thing. Uh, so I enjoyed that because. Uh, I, I have some of these songs that I have loved for years, but I don't really do them when I go over there because I'm able, and I'm proud of this, I'm able to do my own songs. Right. You know, uh, I got like, what, 14 actually re- actually released, and then another, I don't know how many, that were not released that people have gotten their hands on and released. So uh, it. It's interesting, like you say. The rockabilly thing is interesting, and I, I thank you for the cradle baby compliment. I, I, it's well, I have a couple of daughters, and uh, uh, that's one one of the of them. That's their favorite song, mm-hmm. and uh, is is cradle baby. Oh well, they call you cradle baby. They say you're too young. That you is not real love. That you're just having fun. Cause you're only 16 And your life is not free Well, they call me pretty baby But you're just right for me So when I need love I think all of us do I know that I'm a crooked When I'm looking for you Right to back in the cradle They say you should be Now they call me pretty baby but you just ride for me. Oh, will they call you cradle, baby? Why don't they leave you alone? They say your mama will worry if you don't hurry home. Just don't pay them no attention, cause it's all jealousy. Well, they call you crazy, baby, but you just ride for me. So when I need loving, and all of us do, I know that I'm a crooked when I'm a looking for you. I wrapped it back in the cradle, they say you should be. Well, they call you crazy, baby, 
mountain, but you just ride for me. So, so uh, this this uh, CD, Get Carried Away, was done in, uh, this year with the Wildfire Willie and the Ramblers. That does not seem like what you would, uh, the name of a group from Finland, but... Uh, no, it's Sweden. They're from Sweden. They have been playing together almost 20 years. Wow, wow. But that's a and we don't need to rehearse. I've done probably 75 shows with them uh, in the last six or eight years. Wow, great show. It's, and I'll tell you something, uh, folks who, who are listening, if you, if you want to hear more, and I'm going to play one cut from that, I'm going to play Cradle Baby, but if you want to get a great CD, just click on the bottom of, of the show page, and you will see, uh, it'll say, you and Duvall with Wildfire, Willie and the Ramblers, say that five times fast, and get carried away. <laughs> you click you click on that, and you will go right to Amazon.com, and you will get the very best price you can on that album. So yeah. I, I, I really think that's great. And I, I want to tell you something. I know you wrote that there are not a lot of venues in, in uh, the United States to, to do old-time rock and roll anymore which is one of my uh, pet peeves. Uh, I am going to be uh, pushing once again this year. I know there's a we have a, a place here called Cypress Gardens. I'm sure you've heard of it, uh, that uh, has a shows, uh, you know, every uh, every Saturday. And I have been trying to get them to do a rock and roll show. They did a doo-wop show last year. And I'm trying to get them to do a, a, a rock and roll show, a real rock and roll show with Charlie Gracie and people like yourself. And I'm... And I'm going to still, I'm still going ahead, and I'm going to try and push that this year. And I, I do right. want to thank you so much for for this uh, interview. And uh, please keep us in touch. Uh, anything you do, we will be happy to promote on Old Time Rock and Roll. Okay. Anytime you're, anytime you you have a show anywhere in, and I'll tell you, we have loads of people in the United States. Uh, we have millions. I mean, so many over in, in the United Kingdom. Uh, Norway, Australia, if you do okay. any traveling at all, just please let us know, and we will let everybody in the world that we can know about it. Let, let me say one thing. Uh, give the folks my uh, website. Uh, I sure will. Be. Uh, because all the music is out there, okay? I mean, right. uh, uh, it's just com. Uh, of course, Spelling that or whatever, or just look up Hewlin on the Google Hewlin, as they say, because uh, that H U E L Y N is the only name like that in the world, I think. So, uh, well, no, we got it right up, but I'm telling you, it's right on that page. Oh, it's so on that page. Okay, yeah. That's well, if they go to my website, they can they get a they get a nice short biography, or if they want to get into some history on it, they can, or if they want to look over. A lot of different, uh, I think I've got five or six different CDs. I put out two or three of them on my own label. And uh, I try to keep the music, and I know you, you need to go, but I try to, I try to vary my music and always have. It may be from the same genre or whatever you want to call it, right. but I go from this to that, to you know, to, 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 so it doesn't get stuck in a rut. It may be the same style, but not the same tempos and everything, so... Man, I've really enjoyed this, Lee. I, well, I, I really do. have. We're going to have to stay in touch, you know. I, Absolutely. Uh, I feel the same as you do, so don't ever feel bad about not whatever. It's just a great thing for me. Well, I want to tell you again, I, I appreciate this, and, 
and I've had a lot of fun today. Anytime I get to speak to somebody who's, who's uh, I'm going to tell you, because I've been asked a million times by uh, people about do I play an instrument. I say, I have enough problems playing a radio. <laughs> I had a guitar just That's like you true. at 13, and I plunked it, and I plunked it, and I could tell you right now, I never got one chord right on that <laughs> on that guitar, and uh, I finally got an idea what to do with it in the late 60s when The Who came out, and uh, I just about did that one day. But uh, I, It I sounds like you're that. having more fun at what you're doing, you know? Uh, <laughs> it sounds like you're... You're really interested in the, uh... Uh-oh. It's like we got a little problem. Are you still there, Ewan? It's like he's fading. All right, it sounded to me right there that we had lost Ewan, and we had. Uh, probably his phone went out, but I do want to take this opportunity to, to thank Ewan for being with us for great long time almost 45 minutes and I got to know a lot about him and Rockabilly and I'm going to play a couple of things more for us I'd like to play something now which I'm going to dedicate to Charlie Gracie and Eulen Duvall it's Joe Bennett and the Sparkle Tones an old time rock and roller
Joe Bennett and the Sparkle Tones, an old-time rock and roller. Here is another cut from this absolutely fabulous album by Eulen Duvall and Wildfire Willie and the Ramblers, Get Carried Away, which you can click on uh, anytime. You can click on the picture of it, and then you can get right into Amazon.com, or you can go, of course, to www.eulenduvall.com. And either way, you can get a copy. This is an, another great cut. This is called What in the World, Eulen Duvall. <laughs> something called I Knew You First.
Like Jack Scott, anything he does. This is the first song I've ever heard him do without the Shantones, and I still like him. Pretty good. Here again is somebody we talked about, also from Texas, from a place called Happy Texas, which, believe me, if you've ever seen a picture of Buddy Knox, he's always smiling anyway. Uh, here's Buddy Knox with something called Lovey Dovey. <laughs> Amazon.com, 
and you will get the very best price you can on that album. So yeah. I, I, I really think that's great. And I, I want to tell you something. I know you wrote that there are not a lot of venues in in uh, the United States to, to do old-time rock and roll anymore, which is one of my uh, pet peeves. Uh, I am going to be uh, pushing once again this year. I know there's a we have a, a place here called Cypress Gardens. I'm sure you've heard of it. Uh, that uh, has a shows, uh, you know, every uh, every Saturday. And I have been trying to get them to do a rock and roll show. They did a doo-wop show last year. And I'm trying to get them to do a, a, a rock and roll show, a real rock and roll show with Charlie Gracie and people like yourself. And I'm and I'm going to still I'm still going ahead and I'm going to try and push that this year. And I I do right. want to thank you so much for for this uh, interview. And uh, please keep us in touch. Uh, anything you do, we will be happy to promote on Old Time Rock and Roll. Okay. Anytime, you're, anytime you uh, you have a show anywhere, in, and I'll tell you, we have loads of people in the United States. Uh, we have millions, I mean, so many over in, in the United Kingdom, uh, Norway, Australia. If you do okay. any traveling at all, just please let us know, and we will let everybody in the world that we can know about it. Let me say one thing. Uh, give the folks my uh, website. Uh, I sure will. Be. Uh, because all the music is out there, okay? I mean, right. uh, uh, it's just com. Uh, of course, spelling that or whatever. Or just look up Hewlin on the Google Hewlin, as they say, because uh, that H-U-E-L-Y-N is the only name like that in the world, I think. So uh, Well, no, we got it right up, but I'm telling you, it's right on that page. Oh, so it's on that page. Okay. Yeah. That's well, right. if they go to my website, they can they get a they get a nice short biography or if they want to get into some history on it, they can. Or if they want to look over a lot of different uh, I think I've got five or six different CDs. I put out two or three of them on my own label and uh I try to keep the music and I know you you need to go but I, I try to I try to vary my music and always have. It may be from the same genre or whatever you want to call it, but I go from this to that, to you know, so it doesn't get stuck in a rut. It may be the same style, but not the same tempos and everything. So, man, I've really enjoyed this, Lee. I I really have. We're going to have to stay in touch, you know. Absolutely. uh, I feel the same as you do, so don't ever feel bad about not whatever. It's just a great thing for me. Well, I want to thank Eulen Duvall for spending this, this time with us, and I do appreciate it. And I hope you'll all get a chance to really listen to some Eulen Duvall music, and if you want to pick up a CD, he would appreciate it. I would appreciate it. It is going to be one. It is a great album. I mean, I'm sitting, I'm listening to it all the time, and I do love it. Well, I want to tell you, this has been a great show. I really enjoy, enjoy doing the interviews, and um, maybe we'll get a chance to interview him again sometime a little closer to home. So for everybody here at Old Time Rock and Roll, we'll see you on Wednesday with our next doo-wop show from the vaults. This is Lee Douglas. Have a very, very nice weekend. We'll see you soon. That's a wrap. See you later, alligator.